in the comics, she can alter reality. So essentially, she is a mutant. There are no mutants in the Marvel world because of lawyers, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right, Be- because it's not X-Men. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody, to this week's bonus edition of the DCL Duo podcast. And today we're bringing a guest on to talk a little bit about some Disney Plus that Sam and I have been watching. So we have been getting into WandaVision, which has some mixed reactions out there in the community, but I think we're both enjoying it. And we wanted to have a special guest on who's actually written some episode recaps. So let me start by welcoming our guest, Stephen, who is a contributing writer to Wonkette and also to the AV Club. And you can find his recaps of the various WandaVision episodes over at the AV Club, I believe. But welcome, Stephen. Hey, welcome, Brian and uh, Sam. uh, Thanks for having me on. We're so happy to chat with you today. Well, let's dive right in. Stephen, why don't we start with, so generally speaking, what do you think about WandaVision? A good show for Disney or a miss? I'm very excited about it. I was excited previously because, and I guess I should preface this, uh, it's one of those things where it kind of, like they say, a, a genie, you you met a genie who said, what's your ideal TV show? Because <laughs> I'm a longstanding fan of The Scarlet Witch. She uh, she was the one I was most excited to see um, in Marvel. Um, I'm a Marvel Comics fan. I'm a huge fan of hers. The artist John Byrne was someone I commissioned to do a painting of The Scarlet Witch for a uh, mutual friend's birthday about a decade or so ago. Oh, cool. Yeah, I've always loved the character and her powers. And of course, someone who grew up watching Nick at Night, you know, for to date myself. So just, you know, Dobie Gillis, Donna Reed, and then all Mary, Mary Tyler Moore. So all of that was very exciting. And I'm a big fan of shows like The Twilight Zone or now like Black Mirror or anything that's things are different from what we're seeing. And it's kind of like you have to think about what's been seen or what's happened. So I, I'm very excited about it. I think it's it's a great show. It's interesting. And I know there's some feedback online of like, well, I don't know what's happening or what's going on. And, <laughs> you know, my sense of that has always been you're coming off a film like Avengers Endgame and just to me, that's like the, it was the number one movie of all time. Like, I don't know what the audience would be of anyone who's going to watch WandaVision who hasn't seen at least Avengers Endgame or Infinity War. So yeah. that kind of pretty much sets you up for a lot of the big questions. Like, why is the vision around or what's happening? What's going on? Like, I think you would know who these characters are and to be intrigued enough. It's not like starting you out cold. So yeah, I, I think it's, it's been, it's been really interesting. So. Yeah. I, th- I think that's a really good point and sort of to let our, our audience know. So WandaVision is supposed to happen after Avengers Endgame. And I think to Steven's point, I, I feel like the audience that they are trying to reach are people like us who are fans of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, who have watched all of the Marvel movies or most of the Marvel movies. And I, I think you're right. If you haven't watched those movies, you're probably going to be even, I mean, it's, 
it's a little confusing to begin with, but I feel like you're going to be like totally clueless if you haven't watched those movies. Well, and and the the premise is pretty. I mean, so also for listeners who may not have yet sat down to watch WandaVision one spoiler alert, it's all yep, throughout the show. So just <laughs> skip the show, show until you've watched the, the WandaVision if you're going to watch it. But it is, as, as Stephen alluded to at the beginning, it is kind of across like it's dropping uh, Vision and Wanda into an I Love Lucy episode to start almost. And and then, you know, you kind of go from there to, well, Stephen could probably tell us better kind of where they're, where they're poking fun, but they're, they're kind of in a sitcom, a 30 minute sitcom, but then it has these like dark overlays to it at different moments. And they actually sort of almost change the cinematic style to let you know you're exiting the sitcom oh, yeah. and you're into something different. And so it, it is a very jarring show. It's not like some superhero show where they're out like, you know, fighting battles and stuff like that, at least not yet. The other thing that I thought was interesting I, I didn't know going into it. I approached it like this is going to be a TV series. And for me, I was like, geez, the pacing of this TV show is going really fast in terms of what they're introducing in terms of the, the setup for the show. I don't see how they sustain it. And then I realized, no, it's a, just a, it's a limited series. So it's not going to not going to have another season more than likely, I wouldn't think. So, yeah. So, Stephen, what did you think about like kind of we've had three episodes so far. What another one coming out next weekend? On I guess. Friday, so we got I think. Yeah, yeah, next Friday. Yeah, it looks like they're about nine episodes and they're a half hour. So I should probably, you know, it's not like an hour long show. So that's it really has a sitcom structure, but it would seem about the running time of a standard Marvel movie. And so I don't think it is if you were just kind of binge it later, I don't think it is necessarily going at a slow pace. I think mm-hmm. to, to use fancy writer terms, like I think within like a quarter of the way through a movie or a book or something, you kind of have to have a moment of where, OK, what is this about or what's the twist or what's going on? And I think it develops that pretty quickly even by even the first episode yeah you kind of sense of okay well something's off something's wrong you know i think again if you know again as a spoiler alert as uh, brian warned but if you come in having seen in game and why wouldn't you the big to me it already opens with a mystery like yes why are they here and why is the vision alive right <laughs> that's the big one to He's me yeah <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. Right. But opening with a mystery already, I think, pills up to that. And there are moments where whenever that comes back, they play on that mystery that's really well done. So it's it's that's exciting. I mean, you know, we can discuss a lot of the Easter eggs from just the classic sitcoms because the, 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 the attention to detail is really amazing from the set design and the costumes and everything. Um, as a big fan of Mary Tyler Moore, I saw uh, Mary Tyler Moore and Valerie Harper filming. I think there was a Mary Tyler Moore reunion film. They were filming right across the street from my um, first New York apartment almost like 25 years ago. So I was able to see her. I was like gushing because I was a huge <laughs> fan of Mary Tyler Moore. But, you know, seeing Wanda in that kind of the Capri pants and the, the Laura Petri flip was sort of a really cool. I love um, that. Yeah. But the show as a fan of, of Scarlet Witch as a character, as a Marvel character, we're really, to me, seeing her promise being delivered upon. I think in the films, we never quite got, you know, we never saw her in the kind of the comic book accurate costume and her powers they sort of played with very differently in the comics i think in the comics she can alter reality so essentially she is a mutant there are no mutants in the marvel world because of lawyers but uh <laughs> <laughs> right. Be- because it's not x-men <laughs> yeah but but she is for so the fans who might not know that she is in the comics she is Ma- she and pietro are magnetos the mutant villain magnetos children and she is was originally they were members of the brotherhood of evil mutants 
Legends. So she was uh, originally a villain. As presented, they played upon that with Ultron in the sense of he was kind of playing that paternal uh, role to them. And her power, her mutant power, uh, was essentially she could warp reality. So like if a bad guy points a gun at her and there's like a one in a million chance that the gun would jam, she could like wave her hands and make it one in one. Gotcha makes is incredibly powerful and absurd like it's not quite a <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't i don't quite how that evolve is that has like to do with evolutionary theory <laughs> so i think and i think people kind of realize that over time so they sort of essentially leaned in the fact that she is literally a witch she is she has magical powers more than anything else and so i think we're really really seeing that here it's not just sort of a lot of the telekinesis and firing of bolts from the movies like she's very clearly doing magical things in the in the series which is yeah. cool I like that it's kind of a nod to Bewitched. I feel like the the first episode was very much a nod to like Mary Tyler Moore or I Love Lucy. At least that's how I viewed it. And then the second episode was more like Bewitched. And then now we've moved on to the third episode to like Brady Bunch. With that, honestly, I thought the set was like taken exactly from Brady Bunch. Like, <laughs> yes. The staircase. <laughs> Let's talk about some of the Easter eggs Stephen mentioned. Like walk us through some of the things you spotted in the in the episode you've seen. I think it's starting with just the TV stuff, like the, the, the attention to detail to the the costumes and, and that clothing. I think the kitchen is spot on for the Mary Tyrell Moore. I'm, not, I'm sorry, from uh, Dick Van Dyke. And even when Vision enters and almost trips over a furniture in Ottoman, which is a nod to Dick Van Dyke, the Vision plays a very sitcom dad role. Yes. You know, and the husband kind of in a way, which is, again, you very quickly see these characters behaving in ways you've not seen them before. As a testament to the actors that they're just they, they had really gone through sitcom camp because um, she has that sort of TV sitcom projection the way her voice is so she doesn't really have her sort of Eastern European accent she's that sort of Middle American kind of darling whatever you know <laughs> and the way it shifts so by by the time they do the they go into from the mid fifties and how she's dressed to sort of the mid sixties and the stories are very of that period. So it's not just like they look that way, it's just it really is structured so the idea of Vision gets quote unquote drunk and has to do a magic show and she's got to get them through it is very like something you might have seen on Bewitched or I Dream of Genie, which itself is interesting because in those shows, it was kind of a normal kind of a screwball comedy. So the conceit of screwball comedy is you have like a very sort of normal guy having to deal with his wife or loved one who is very much getting them into trouble. Right. Of. The cookie and wife. Cookie wife. <laughs> the Lucy, the Lucy to Lucy their Ricky. Is, <laughs> yeah. And obviously he is not human and not a rope, but he plays that very well. He's playing a Darren Stevens despite being clearly inhuman, which is sort of fun to see. The Brady Bunch opening, which I think there's also some allusions to the Partridge family as well, with like how the opening credit and it's their their outfits, which I'm not as much a fan fan of as the uh, as the sixties <laughs> stuff. The seventies was not quite my uh, decade, but the the neighbor who has the the sort of foxy brown yes. haircut and attire <laughs> and everything, and you know the neighbor uh, the neighbor Herb. It is like really did its homework on getting those things like Agnes, who might you know, played by Catherine Hahn, who might be someone we know from the comics, but there's debate on that online. But she is just a classic wacky neighbor. 
and just plays that so well. So, and then there's tons of more little Marvel hints, like the fake commercials have allusions to both Tony Stark and uh, Hydra. Hydra and other, yeah. you know, people from Wanda's past. So it really does make you think of like what's happening, who's controlling this world. I, um, I mentioned in my recent, most recent recap of the TV show, The Prisoner, because there's a sense of you really get in the third episode, like are these people trapped here and is Wanda the one trapping them, which is Mm. sort of interesting because again one of the fascinating things about uh the scarlet witch is she she's a complicated character she began as a villain so it's not just the idea of if this was a black widow show or someone where you would think okay there's no chance that she is perhaps the threat but Mm -hmm. wanda could be a threat she's not sort of a a chaotic potentially chaotic character because she's not necessarily evil but she's certainly lost a lot from her brother who she mentions and her love of her life, which she literally had to kill and then had right. to watch die again, which right. will cause issues for the strongest person. So, you know, it's very it's very interesting to see. And, and again, a lot of the stuff in the comments is he delivered upon because she's essentially it's been going back for 30 years. They've played upon the character's kind of mental instability. Um, mm. Some of that was not the most progressive for the period. I think the, the creator, John Byrne, violently, you know, violently disagreed with the idea that she and Vision could be in love because he viewed the Vision as a toaster like <laughs> this woman she's crazy she's a crazy lady marrying a toaster like i don't understand like and so his whole story was about she's obviously crazy now you know the vision predates characters like data from star trek next generation or others but i think we've probably if you're into sci-fi in any way you've grown up with the idea that no vision and data are real people and you know relationship with them. It's not a it's not necessarily that she's crazy. So I think that they are playing upon what in the comics have been explored as Wanda's obviously crazy and using her magic to create an hysterical pregnancy because you obviously can't reproduce with a toaster. <laughs> but, in a day. Yeah, in a day. Especially but they're yeah. playing with that in a sense of is also more about her grief. So it's not that the vision she can't have a relationship with vision because he's not worth having a relationship with and she's crazy for wanting it it's more of like she's lost everyone she's loved in her life right and what impact what has that caused her to do potentially steven i'm curious that you mentioned the neighbor having a tie back into the comics which i'm woefully unfamiliar with what's the speculation about the neighbor in the comics so there's a character in the comics called uh, agatha harkness who was originally the nanny for the fantastic four uh, uh had a uh, a son called franklin she was a nanny it was revealed that she's a witch very powerful witch uh, centuries old some uh, some folks online have called her a villain she's not actually a villain i think she's just witch witches are cool but she was a a mentor to the scarlet witch she appears in the storyline with uh, that I alluded to the John Burr storyline with the Scarlet Witch, and she's had been a long time a mentor to her. There is a uh, kind of classic line where in one of the stories she had been burned at the stake, and then she comes back, and everyone's like, "Well, how are you alive?" And she was like, "Yeah, you were burned at the stake." And he's like, "Yes," and that was incredibly inconvenient. But also, you know, <laughs> um, I'm a I'm an actual witch, like that shouldn't actually work on an actual witch. So she uh, had come back to life to sort of explain that Wanda had, you know, when she created these two children, um, also known as Tommy and Billy, in the comics, when she created these two children, she'd actually, she had to get their souls from somewhere. 
and mm. she got her souls from missing pieces of what's in Marvel Comics, the Marvel Comics version of the devil, Mephisto. And he has socially come back, came back to reclaim his missing pieces of his soul. And so causing her to lose her uh, children. There had been a storyline also where Wanda had been firing uh, nannies because they kept losing her children, but it turned out that they weren't just incompetent. It was just literally that when Wanda wasn't thinking about her children, they vanished because they were make-believe. Oh, wow. But Agatha Har- Harkness is a major kind of figure in Scarlet Witch lore, and she has this little brooch that she always wore like because she has a sort of classic Victorian governess outfit, and she has uh, this little brooch that she wears and Catherine Hans Agnes has the same brooch if you look very closely in episodes so people are speculating that she is Agatha Harkness there is clips from a later episode which I'm excited to see because it's a Halloween theme and we get to see Elizabeth Olsen in the classic uh, more or less Scarlet Witch costume which is oh, exciting cool. Vision is in the comics version of the, the costume and Agnes is dressed as a witch and um, she's the one who alludes to Vision being dead so there there's potential that she is that character or perhaps not, or just an Easter egg. But I think people suspect that she's uh, playing a bigger role. Same with the character Dottie, who is played by one of my favorite actors, Emma Caulfield, who was on, um, played the character Anya on Buffy the Vampire Slayer uh, a long time ago. And so people kind of think you don't cast her unless she's going to be playing up particularly big role. So maybe she might be somehow also involved in what's going on and what's happening. But no, it, it, it is just, you know, it, it's just very exciting as a show that you're kind of thinking, what what is the next thing? What is happening? What's going on? And, and each one has sort of raised the stakes each episode is ended in a kind of crazy way. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I will say, I, I think Catherine Hahn is just hilarious in general. And I, you know, I love her from like the Bad Moms movie. I mean, she's just a great comedic actress. And so I was happy to see her in the show. And I'm I'm actually hoping that those prognostications are correct because I feel like that could mean she's got a bigger role in the MCU future, right? Like yes. in other, in some of the other series series, mini series that they're going to do on Disney plus and in potentially future movies. And we know they've been sort of expanding the universe of which characters are going to sort of be more prominent in the, in the newer movies, because well, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen it, but there's no more Iron Man. Right. And then some of the other characters, I mean, even Captain America, we're, we're really not going to, we can't expect to see him either. And some of the other main or central characters from the beginning of the Avengers series, we don't really expect to see too much in the future, in part because they're going to be just too expensive to hire for yes. these movies. <laughs> Well, and I think this is supposed to lead into the Doctor Strange sequel. So I believe it's been confirmed that Elizabeth Olsen will play a role in the Doctor Strange sequel, which of course will be all about magic. And yeah. so that would be cool. I would love to see her. I love Han as well, Sam. And I love, um, she was, I think, one of my favorite things in the Into the Spider-Verse movie. She played, she voiced the uh, female Doc Ock and was just both creepy and hilarious at the same time, which is always a cool trait performance wise. And I honestly, I love Paul Bettany and the way he's playing. I I just want to say my favorite moment in the series thus far, which is only three episodes that we've seen, is the moment where Paul Bettany's at work and he's asking, what do we make? What do we produce? (laughs) It's just the most classic, like, you know, throwback to all of these 
sitcoms, you know, that were set in the 60s and 70s, where the dad always went to work, the mom was a stay at home mom, and you had no idea what this guy did at the office. It was just something to do with accounts, right? <laughs> and spreadsheets. And reports or something. And, you know, there's a sense of like, he that and that's sort of what's cool about this. So it's like, that's a reference, a meta reference, but then it could also be something critical in the show. Like, are they using vision for something? And he's kind of like figuring like, what are you guys, you know, what, what is my computer mind being used for potentially? So right. is he working uh, for Hydra? Yeah, exactly. So, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I love the use of that, the use of television history in that sense. And I, I don't, you know, I think it goes beyond just being the reference. I think it, it, it's using it in a kind of clever way. So is there any, is there any harken back? So Monica's character in the show has comic book tiebacks, I believe. I don't know, Stephen, if you can illuminate us on where her character is coming from or, or what she may represent. Yeah. So Monica, Rem- and I'm probably mispronouncing it, Rumbo, is in the comics was Captain Marvel. The second Captain Marvel is there's the two. So there's the one with the uh, that Brie Larson played, and then there was the Monica Rambeau version. She appeared as a child, a child version, because the other version of the movie was set in the 90s. That's kind of the through line to that character, whether or not she will kind of become a superhero herself or is working for a secret agent. I believe the comic book character was working for S.H.I.E.L.D. before she got powers. There are hints to potentially there's like a scene where in the second episode where Scarlet Witch finds a helicopter that's been turned into a toy but that's in color. And so speculation that that Monica had infiltrated that little world and got rejiggered to fit into the world. So her copter became the toy and she got kind of forced into that sort of fake TV world. Because, you know, obviously in the 60s, the one thing that sort of stood out of the 60s things is that it was a little bit more diverse than actual TV shows were of the period. There's a scene of where she says, I don't know what I'm doing here. So maybe she's kind of trying to figure out what's happening. By the 70s, of course, it was much, you know, TV shows made a point of having a bit more diversity. So the idea of the her, the black neighbor and uh, the Foxy Brown like black uh, neighbor as well would be something you'd see more in the Brady Bunch or uh, apart than you would have on like Donna Reed or other shows. So but yes, I, she certainly is going to play a key role. She's one of the few characters also who is billed twice so she's geraldine in this world but she's also billed as monica as her whatever her real world name is and everyone else is just the person that they are so we don't kind of know what the full scoop on them is yeah it's it's interesting because they also allude in the third episode to the fact that she doesn't have a home she doesn't live anywhere she doesn't have a family so she's kind of a standalone which you know leads to a lot of questions and what do you make steven i don't know the symbol there's the symbol and the necklace that she's wearing that appears a couple of different times in different ways throughout the show associated with the sort of potentially the organization that's either watching this whole thing or controlling this whole thing yes i don't know if that symbol appears anywhere in the comic books to give us a clue as to where that's headed i think it's it's called sword it's the group sentient weapon one of those analogy, uh, one of those anagrams. And so she could be a member of S.W.O.R.D. I mean, it would be wonder why is she wearing this necklace that would make Wanda suspect something? But I believe that could just be Wanda reading her as wrong. And so seeing the necklace, because obviously she's controlling the reality. So my theory has been that the necklace was more of not what she was wearing per se. It sort of appeared when Wanda kind of was slowly starting to read her 
as not being there. Because yes, she doesn't have a home. She doesn't come from anywhere. She might have just been sort of as a spy kind of posing as someone, as a res- as a resident and trying to kind of figure out what was going on of Wanda before being sort of forcibly evicted. But, you know, that final scene is really, was really spooky. And mm-hmm. I just uh, a really, I think Kevin Smith online, the director and a fan of these Marvel films have noted it was like such great work from Elizabeth Olsen because she's sort of, she's been kind of playing and again, the, the, these guys are really funny. They do the stuff mm-hmm. where you kind of get pulled into, wow, this is really nice, funny sitcom stuff. And suddenly that 70s thing is gone. And she's just sort of noting that her brother had died. And then Monica tries to read her out and just like, you mean he was killed by Ultron. And then suddenly as she just starts to slowly get darker and darker, we presume uh, she's cast Monica out. We don't see it. So, but it seems like she is the one who has banished her. And so making this effort to preserve this sort of peaceful world for herself. It's weird, though, because, you know, at the beginning, especially the first episode, you realize like Vision and and Wanda don't seem to have full memories, right? Like they don't really, they can't remember what happened before they were on, you know, in this uh, Westview town. And Mm -hmm. so it's weird to me that she doesn't have this memory, yet by the third episode, we realize maybe she's the one controlling this, this town or this sort of this made up universe or made up town. So yeah, it's a really interesting, I I kind of wonder how it's going to resolve, right? How is it that she, that those two things can exist at the same time? And I would watch that first scene again. I think I did again. And it's interesting. It is Vision who is often asking the question of something's a little off Mm. and Wanda steering him away from it. And Mm. And then the bo- his boss, are, they're the ones asking questions that if they are involved in not wanting them to think about their past, why are they asking them about their past? Mm-hmm. And so it seems like, are they kind of the ones sort of pushing this issue, trying to escape, trying to figure out? So it's, but there's a lot of questions as to what Wanda's role is. I mean, obviously the title itself, Wanda Vision, is it Wanda both Vision or also a play on the fact that it's her vision of a perfect world for her, free from what she's experienced. You know, she's Eastern European from a made up land. But one thing that I read somewhere that often for a lot of people in those areas, their concept of America came from sitcoms. Right. That's Mm -hmm. what they were sort of fed a steady diet of. So if you want to sort of get a comforting sense of the world, that's what they would sort of try to rejigger their world to be. Although it's also it's also interesting from that standpoint, if she seems to have at least some memory lapse in the series, right? Or like the thing about the, oh, there's a heart on the calendar. And they neither one of them knows what that means. And they're trying to puzzle it together. And so to the extent she's creating the reality, it also seems like there's some disconnect there because she's not, oh, that's our anniversary or that's so-and-so's birthday, you know, whatever it is, right? That she could just come up with, this is the reason behind it because I'm controlling this whole thing. Right. So it's some block that she's created for, even if it's, even if she's controlling the world, there's some block that she's created between herself and her own memories. Yes. And she's incredibly powerful. So there's certainly any sort of reason why someone would want to use her abilities. So, you know, we don't quite know what's what's going on. And it's just, it's compelling. I, again, there's so many stories in the comics where she's 
kind of, I wouldn't say gone nuts, gonna be a sort of, but her <laughs> mental stability has been kind of a plot point. So it is interesting to imagine if they're going in that direction. So as I said, alluded with some other characters, you know, the Black Widow and others have not necessarily had that kind of background or heart. So you kind of like, oh, well, I mean, it couldn't be this. But with her, you know, there's there's really no telling. And the John Byrne storyline, when the vision got disassembled um, and was because John Byrne wanted to make very clear that he's just a robot, which the show seems to be doing because they kind of they're making a right. kind of going over and over of like he can't eat. He, eat. <laughs> he can't like they do the, like the little simple look of what his body looks like. And it's overtly robotic. So he's a sophisticated robot, which obviously would make the fact that he's reproducing odd. You know, they've had multiple sort of dark Scarlet Witch storylines, which is less about the fact that she's necessarily a world conquering evil person, but just, you know, a damaged human being who just has these insanely, is insanely powerful. Hearing all of this, it makes me think the premise of the show, maybe to your point, she's having a sort of mental breakdown after everything that happened in Endgame. And this organization, S.W.O.R.D., which is an offshoot of S.H.I.E.L.D., is trying to contain her in a world. You know, it's almost like a therapeutic exercise, right, to to get her back to stability. And then you start to overlay some of the other things you mentioned, like they're they're putting her mentor in there to try and, you know, guide her and <laughs> get her comfortable. Oh, yeah. Uh, and those sorts of things. So, yeah, it's 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 interesting to think about it in that. Oh point. yeah, that's a that's a that's a really that's a really great point, and it it's kind of I don't know if you ever seen the film Shutter Island, where there's like a a great effort to convince someone of a false reality, sort of as a therapeutic exercise, because yes, like <laughs> let's try to contain this person's you know tremendous mental breakdown because that could have like a lot of long term effects. So. Right, because yeah, they could destroy sure. the world, basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Well, Stephen, really appreciate you coming on. And uh, you've got lots of comic book knowledge that Sam and I lack, or at least I lack. Sam might be deeper no. into comic books than I realize. But <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so it's really like nice to tie everything that's going on back to something. Do, you, do Stephen, do you want to let folks know where they can find your articles and such to, to keep up with your episode recaps and everything? Sure. So um, the recaps for WandaVision, I do those pretty much as soon as they air on Fridays and they go up usually early afternoon, uh, East Coast time on the AV TV Club site. And the AV Club, just type in uh, my name, AV club and WandaVision and usually it's a top hit. And I, um, as you guys mentioned, I also write for Wanquette and I am, which is a political uh, website. And I'm very glad. I'm hoping that things will be a bit calmer now. <laughs> I, think I, I, I literally got about like four hours of sleep, like for the past you know days. It was a lot of like a lot of stuff going on. So uh, hopefully, there's the you know one of the great things about writing about Wandavision or writing about or writing for theater and other stuff. So you gotta get the balance mm-hmm. of that with sort of the world ending. So fortunately, things are a bit <laughs> you know famine, plague, and and so forth. So yes, um, absolutely. I will say I'm obviously a huge fan of Steven's writing and I I pretty much consume everything that he <laughs> writes you. and his articles are definitely political, the ones in Wonkette, but they are done with a heavy dose of humor and sarcasm and wit. And so it's something 
that I really appreciate, especially when you're having to read about some really awful stuff happening in politics. And so it's uh, it helps to balance it out as well. And I will also mention Stephen is a, a personal friend of ours. And so really appreciate you coming on the show. And oh, absolutely. Chatting absolutely. Thank you so much. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, this is WandaVision is a nice little treat. Uh, it was one of those things that was kind of prepared to be on TV before everything wound up on TV because we were no longer able to be in movies. So it's nice to kind of have that transition of returning to the Marvel world. Well, it was certainly fun talking with you about it today. Thanks, Stephen. Take care. It was certainly fun catching up with Steven. As Sam mentioned, he's a friend of ours, so it was great to just have a chance to catch up with him. But it was also fun to talk a little WandaVision. So if you haven't checked out that show on Disney+, Plus, it's a lot of fun. I, I would say please give it through episode three. We've heard some folks online sort of complaining that, oh man, episodes one and two, this show is so strange. I think it takes a pretty big turning point in episode three, and I know we're really looking forward to seeing episode four and how this special series kind of wraps up and perhaps leads back into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So a lot of fun catching up with Steven. Great to have someone who's such a comic book fan on and can really tie some of this back into the comic book storylines that uh, Sam and I are not super deep on. So really interesting stuff. Hope you enjoyed this particular bonus episode. If you've got ideas for bonus episodes, do feel free to reach out to us. We love to be responsive to what our listeners want to hear. So do let us know if you've got ideas for bonus episodes and we'll try to tackle those. As always, thanks to each and every one of you out there for listening this week. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast so you can keep getting great content from the DCL Duo each week. Please also head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us those five-star reviews. Please, please, please. We need more reviews so we can help make this show visible to people who might be looking for our content. If you'd like to send us a question or be a guest on the show, please email us at dclduo at gmail.com or reach out to us on social media at dclduo. You can also head over to the DCL Duo channel on YouTube for even more great content or join our DCL Duo vlog and podcast Facebook group if you want to join a conversation with DCL Duo fans and like-minded Disney cruisers. The DCL Duo podcast and vlog are not affiliated with Disney Cruise Line, the Walt Disney Company, or the Walt Disney family of theme parks. The views expressed on the show are solely those of the individuals on the podcast and in no way reflect the views of the Walt Disney Company or Disney Cruise Line. If you have questions about a Disney cruise or a Walt Disney vacation, please contact Disney directly or your own travel agent. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time for another fabulous Disney adventure with the DCL Duo. Good night. Good night.